Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. And um, my privilege this morning is really to help set the stage for us to meet and get to know some of our mission partners. And we are so excited about that. And we trust that over the weeks that you would join us in that excitement. Um, The dream admission point is for us to become a church filled with people who show and share the love of Jesus wherever we go. The dream admission point is there would not be this breakdown between the professional Christians and then the regular Christians, but that each of us will be asking the question, what does it look like for me to live my life on mission? For me to show and share the love of Jesus in the places where I have the unique privileges of going. We want to be on mission as an entire church. But as a church, we also recognize that there are certain places we want to make sure we go. There are certain areas of brokenness we want to make sure that we address. And so while the rest of us are figuring things out, we want there to be certain areas of the world we don't neglect. We want there to be certain concerns that we do not avoid interacting with. Which is one of the reasons we have mission partners. People who are strategically doing work that we know is important to God. And we as a church want to figure out how do we... Come alongside them to make sure that that work gets done. And so we're going to introduce you to a number of those partners. In fact, uh, at the end of the service, you're going to hear us talk again about the opportunity for you on your way out to choose one of our mission partners to say, I am locking arms with that partner for this year. Hope that makes a little more sense as we go. But uh, for this morning, we want to look at a story that's uh, familiar to those of you who've been at Mission Point for a while. In fact, about three years ago, around this very time of year, we looked at this story, but maybe for slightly different reasons. So if you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, no worries. The verses will appear on the screen, whatever screen is in front of you. Um... But if you don't own a physical copy of the Word of God, man, we would love to get one into your hands. Again, another reason to head to the Connection Corner after the service. Just ask for a copy of the Bible. We love getting the Word of God into your hands. So please let us know. But Matthew chapter 14. And uh, we're going to start reading at verse number 13. We're going to pause and just make some observations as we work our way through this story. Here's what it says. Uh, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Uh, What happened was, Jesus is busy doing the mission work of God. Uh, When somebody comes and tells him that your cousin a man by the name of John the Baptist um, has been beheaded in prison by Herod. He is gone. Uh, Jesus being fully God and fully man receives this news and his heart breaks. He is devastated by this. And he just needs a moment to, to grieve and to just process this with his father. So he leaves for a secluded place across the lake just for a little bit of time. Um, verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, because people are the worst. I mean, can we not even give Jesus a moment to just Nurse his broken heart. Nope. These super needy people. They find out where Jesus is going. And they trace the trajectory of his boat. And they beat him to the spot. When Jesus lands there. He is completely ambushed by these people. Selfish. If you ask me. But. What's even more striking than the insensitivity and the selfishness of these people is Jesus' response when he sees these people in his personal space as he's trying to grieve the loss of his cousin. 
Jesus' response to these people who couldn't care less about what Jesus is going through. It's all about what they want and what they need, apparently. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Wow. I'm just telling you, I'd be cool if this section of the story said, and when Jesus saw the large crowd, he flipped out, snapped, and he pulled out that famous whip from the temple, and he just started going to school on these people. Can I get a minute? This is me time. I'm just trying to grieve. Jesus got problems too. But nope. Jesus sees them and he He has compassion on their hurt and their brokenness and their lostness. So he changes his personal plans and he he, he puts his pain on hold. And he spends the whole day holding their hurt and healing their brokenness. Sharing heaven's hope with them. That is crazy to me. And also incredibly beautiful. Um. Because this story, uh, confession, has always irritated me. It's always just made me a little bit irritable, as you can probably tell, even right now, right? Why can't people just leave Jesus alone? Why can't they give him some personal space? Everybody clamoring and clawing and pulling at him. He can't even just hurt for a moment. Why can't people acknowledge Jesus' brokenness for a heart? minute (laughs) and then it's almost like I could picture Jesus saying to me I could picture it um condo um what do you think I came to earth for This is not an interruption. This is the mission. To bring hope and to bring healing to hurting and broken people. That's why I came. Their pain is not an interruption. Their pain is actually the very mission. Even as I was rereading this story, this struck me. So strongly. See, I have become so convinced that my hurt and my pain and my brokenness weighs more than everyone else's. In which case, everyone else's hurt and pain and brokenness is a nuisance and an interruption to my pain and my brokenness. So listen, if your hurt and your brokenness and your issues get in the way and they interrupt mine then you just become an obstacle. And I couldn't understand why Jesus doesn't seem to agree with me on this. I become so convinced that my priorities and my purpose and my plans, my preferences and my retirement and my me time take precedence over the pain of the people in my world. And if hurting people hurt my priorities then I think Jesus should pull out a whip and tell everybody, back up. You are messing with Kondo's convenience and his comfort. And Jesus reminds us in this passage of scripture, nope, the hurting and the lost and the broken people are the priority mission. It's not about you. It's not about what's most comfortable for you. It's not actually about what's most convenient for you. It's about the mission. The reason that Jesus didn't save you and then kill you and then take you to be in heaven with him was the mission. The broken and lost and hurting people in this world. Trust me, if the priority was your comfort and your convenience and your pain-free life, Jesus would have taken you to a place where there's comfort and convenience and pain freedom all the time. But if he's left us on earth, it's because the priority is still 
the mission of showing and sharing his love to the hurting and the broken in our world. That's what Jesus taught. That's what Jesus modeled. And that's what we're called to be about as a church. And I'm telling you, if you don't like the mission, just beg Jesus. Like, Jesus, can you please just give me my one-way ticket and I'll come to the place where all things are comfortable. It is glorious up there, better than Florida, right? But in the meantime, the mission And by the way, one of the reasons why I got irritable, and I'm like, why can't everyone leave Jesus alone? Obvious, right? I just didn't think about it. It's because Matthew takes us behind the veil and he gives us a glimpse into what happened in Jesus' story that devastated Jesus and broke his heart. Jesus lost a cousin. So immediately, I'm team Jesus. And all of these other people clamoring. Like, what are they? Can't you just leave Jesus alone? Don't you see that Jesus is hurting? But what Matthew doesn't do is take us behind the veil of the stories of the thousands and thousands of people who were chasing after Jesus. And so for me, they just become nameless, faceless people who become a nuisance and an interruption because I know the pain Jesus is going through. I don't know what these people are going through. Jesus refuses to play that game. Compassion means he assumes their pain is no less than mine. They've lost stuff too. They're hurting too. They're broken too. And he enters in on the mission. And not entirely surprising, as Jesus prioritizes the mission, it sets up the stage for one of the most well-known miracles. I'm telling you, jump all in on the mission, and it usually sets the stage for some miraculous stuff. Check this out. Verse number 15, as evening approached, The disciples came to him, to Jesus, and they said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. So please send the crowds away. The crowds, right? When you don't know people's stories, they're just the people, the crowds, the nuisance, the interruption. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So Jesus is bringing hope and he's bringing um, healing um, to, to broken lives. And the disciples become aware of a brewing and overwhelming crisis and this crisis has them shook they're not quite sure what to do they're starting to freak out a a little bit because there are 20,000 people who are now getting hungry it says later on in the story that it's 5,000 men not counting women and children about 20,000 in this crowd They're in the middle of nowhere, and it's getting late. A crisis of overwhelming proportions is brewing. So the disciples, they join forces because none of them wants to go talk to Jesus alone. And then they together come collectively, um, and they interrupt Jesus to inform him about a brewing crisis that he might not have been otherwise aware of. The story is actually a little bit hilarious if you think about it. Lord! 20,000 hungry people, no grocery store in sight. There's an impossible situation and we don't have the resources to remedy it. It's overwhelming and there's not much we can do. We can't fix this impossible situation. So please send these people away and do that thing where you make it not our problem. I love this reminder, by the way, that when you jump into the mission with Jesus, you are quickly going to be confronted with overwhelming crises and impossible situations that shake you. Situations that you cannot fix. And I wonder for you, if you pause long enough, what overwhelming crisis that is brewing or is happening in the world has you maybe a little bit shook? Um, A a crisis that maybe you consider as so overwhelming that I don't even know if there's anything that can be done. And if I can do something, what could I possibly do? I don't think it could make a difference. Maybe it's an overwhelming crisis in the world that you think you have to inform Jesus about because he doesn't seem aware of it. Because nothing seems to be changing. Nothing about it seems to be 
addressed. I wonder what overwhelming crisis in the world maybe breaks your heart when you see it to the point where it overwhelms you and maybe even leads you to the place where you say, I'm out. This is too big for me. I'm not going to watch the news. I'm not going to read about this anymore. It is too big of a crisis. I don't know what that would be for you, but I can tell you a number of overwhelming realities for us as a church. For the disciples, it was these 20,000 people. For us, it's a few different numbers, one of them being 150 million. Uh, Even today, as we sit in this service, we join with thousands of churches around the world recognizing the orphan crisis on this orphan Sunday around the world. That there are over 150 million kids without a people to call their own, without a place to call their home. That is like 21 times the population of the state of Indiana. That's, man, that's overwhelming. Man, that breaks our heart. So Jesus, you won't mind if we make it somebody else's problem. You know, those families who've been called to adopt, make it their thing, please. Man, the number 25 million has us shook. That's how many human trafficking victims are around the world by estimate. People who are being held against their will for the pleasure of somebody else. Come on, Jesus, that number is just, I mean, you won't mind. Jesus, we just wanted to let you know. The number 3.4 billion, that's almost half of the population of the world who have not even yet heard that Jesus offers forgiveness and freedom and fullness of life. That there is an eternity to be had with him beyond this world. That's unimaginable. 3.4 billion spiritual orphans around the world. That's overwhelming. Well, I mean, what, 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 do we, what do we even begin to do with that, right? Those are the kinds of numbers that, like the disciples, they, they shut us down. They may break our hearts, but then they just overwhelm us, and we just tune them out. It's a little bit too much. Um, the number 50,000, this was really significant as this church launched, that in a county, Kosciuszko County, of about 80,000 people, almost 50,000 are unchurched. I'm not talking about across the ocean. I'm talking about across the street. In our own county. That's crazy. The number 770 million. Um, That's how many people around the world live without access to clean water. Which leads to sickness. Which leads to, you know... All kinds of issues which leads to death for many children around the world. And I'm just saying, if we're honest, the great temptation, much like these disciples, is to tell Jesus, please forgive us if we make this someone else's problem. This is too much for us. It's an overwhelming crisis. This is so funny, by the way. This is an impossible situation, Jesus. We just wanted to bring to your attention. But just think of the irony of this whole thing. So they come to Jesus and they interrupt Jesus. This is the only interruption I'm aware of in this story. They interrupt Jesus while he's healing and he's bringing hope to, to these people to let him know there's an impossible crisis brewing. I can almost picture Jesus saying to them, I'm sorry, guys, just hang on one quick second. Let me give this woman some legs. She didn't have some a few seconds ago. Let me finish giving her some legs and then you guys can tell me this problem that's so overwhelming and impossible to address. That's how we are. We're so like the disciples. Like Jesus, maybe you don't understand how big and overwhelming and in tip there is not a single crisis on the planet, spiritual or physical, that Jesus isn't aware of. There's not a single crisis on the planet, physical or spiritual, that Jesus is in any way overwhelmed by. 
Well, if that's true, Jesus, then why aren't you doing anything about it? If that's true, then why aren't you addressing it? Why aren't you fixing it? And Jesus' response to the disciples is classic. Verse number 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. (laughs) What? I know there's an impossible crisis. Jesus says, why are you looking at me? You take care of it. Wow. And I just wanted to remind you all on this Orphan Sunday, that's exactly what Jesus says to us. This is the mission. You take care of it. That's what Jesus says to his church. You take care of it. You take care of the crisis. Which one? Whichever crisis seems most overwhelming to you and has maybe broken your heart, you take care of it. That's the mission. That's the mission. Um, you don't get to quit. You don't get to cry about how hard it is and sit around. You don't get to pass the buck. You don't get to make it anyone else's problem or everyone else's problem or those people who are uniquely called. You don't get to say like it's too big and not, nothing can happen from us. Jesus says you take care of it. What? 150 plus million orphans. You take care of it. James chapter 1 verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. You look after the orphans. And the widows in their distress. Why are you looking at me? Seven plus million people without clean water. You take care of it. Matthew 25, 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. When he calls us to that ultimate evaluation on that day. His question is going to be, and what did you do about it? Millions of enslaved people held against their will. Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is this not the kind of fasting or worship that I have chosen for you? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. And you set the oppressed free and break every yoke. What? But there are billions of souls in unreached places in the world who haven't even heard the message of Jesus Christ. You take care of it. Matthew 16, 15. He said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus' response to the heartbreaking, overwhelming, seemingly impossible crises in the world is to tell his church, you take care of it. That's the mission. That's the mission. Now, your objection is duly noted. Um, The disciples had the same objection. I direct your attention to verse 17. Um, But but we we hear we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Classic church. But we only, but okay, no, but we don't have, we don't understand how busy, but our time, no, you don't understand. But okay, financially, we don't, I'm not trained. I don't, Jesus, but we don't, excuses, 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 focusing on all that we don't have and all that we cannot do. And that's what they try to go to Jesus with. Ah, but we can't, we don't know how, we, it's too much. We have too little. Verse 18, Jesus says, well, bring them here to me. He said, we love reminding Jesus what we don't have and can't do. And Jesus tells his followers, I don't care about what you don't have. Bring what you do have. I don't care about what you can't do. Do what you can do. This is the church. We sit around and we talk about all that we can't do. And it's like, so what are you doing? Bring what you do have. Ooh, things get good. Verse uh, number 19 or somewhere there. 
uh, yeah, and he directed uh, the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish because they brought it to him and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. I love that. They went from overwhelmed to overrunning. This is Jesus, right? Of broken pieces that were left over. Verse 21, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is powerful, church. This is how we change the world. Jesus says, you take care of the mission, I'll take care of the miracle. You take care of the mission, I'll take care of the miracle. They came to Jesus. Jesus, why don't you fix it? There's so many people in our community who don't know you. Would you please rain down revival? Jesus is like, you take care of the mission. I'll take care of the miracle. Tell me who you've told the gospel to in the last six months. You take care of the mission. I'll take care of the miracle. You bring what you have and you do what you can and you tell what you know. And then watch me do what you cannot Watch me bring revival. You can't do that. Watch me stir families to to want to open up their homes to become forever families. Watch me do that. Watch me crush trafficking as you take care of what you can in that realm. Come on, you read the Bible and it's always this. Jesus asks for a little bit, an expression of faith active. From his people. And then he breaks open the floodgates of heaven. And he does what none of us could possibly do. Our job is not to to fix all the crises that overwhelm us. It's not to solve everything. Or to make sure the gospel gets to every single corner of the world. Our job is to do what we can. Take it where we can. Give what we can, bring what we have, and then watch Jesus multiply. I love that. The stories of Jesus saying, bring it, okay. And he just kept breaking it and multiplying it. And they don't come back to him for the resources they didn't have. And he'll just keep multiplying. And at the end of it, each of the disciples has a doggy bag to take home. We've not even started to scrape the surface of what Jesus is willing to do as we step in and do what we Okay, and our job is the mission. His job is the miracle. I'm asking you, are you doing what you can, bringing what you have? Then we'll see what Jesus will do. And then you notice as a piece of partnership, which is what we want to zone in on even as we meet some of our partners. As Jesus broke the bread, every single person had a role to play. Every single one of his followers. I mean, some were carrying baskets and some were counting groups. And if you read other accounts of the story, um, they were all playing a part. And then coming back to Jesus, he became the great resource, the great source. And they became the distributors of what he was doing. But it all started in their willingness to say yes and play their part. So I'm just asking you, are you playing your part? Uh, are, Are you bringing what you have? Are you doing what you can? So, man, we're excited to partner with some of these people and some of these organizations. And one of the reasons is because these partnerships and these organizations represent areas that break our hearts that we want to make sure we are doing something to address. The clean water crisis, you're going to hear some of that. The unchurched, unreached people groups in this world, we want to make sure we are doing something about that. The trafficking crisis, we want to make sure that we are doing something to address that as well. The orphan crisis, you will notice every single one of our mission partners are focusing in somewhere or another on kids and families. So we are going to ask you, as you listen to these, be praying. Which one of these organizations maybe stirs my heart or maybe ties to a crisis in the world that I am really passionate about? And here is something you can definitely do, right? Is to, on your way out, stop by one of the stations and grab the card that represents the mission partner that you want to commit to coming alongside, praying for, giving towards, um, serving alongside, right? Pick one, pick one, 
And then we want to encourage you, hey, spend the year learning about them, engaging with them, giving towards them, um, and praying for them. And it's so interesting that as you do that, guess what? You become part of reaching the unreached people groups. You become part of clean water in places where there isn't clean water. You become a part of dealing with trafficking because you've said yes to stepping in and committing to one of these partners and so they do the front leg work and you carry some of the bread you fill the baskets and together we play our part to do what we can and we start to see what jesus will miraculously do in the areas that we cannot so Let's meet our partners. First of all, um, Agatas, um, man, our friends here in the community, um, in our own backyard, serving families, serving kids through um, sports. Pretty cool. Um, but we're going to learn a little bit more about them up on the screen. Check out this video. Hi, my name is Ryan Berger. Hi, I'm Maiden. Hi, I'm Joan. I'm Nina Berger, and we lead Agatas. In 2012, Nina and I were at Mission Point and Kondo was preaching about if you feel led to do something, just do it. Don't look back in 10, 15, or 20 years and wish that you would have done something if you're feeling called. So I remember talking to Nina and just saying, we should do a free soccer camp in the community. So what is Agatas? Agatas is a sports ministry that we started here in Warsaw. We now offer soccer, basketball, baseball, golf, and cross country. And it is a completely free camp. We also go into low-income areas and we offer free soccer camps. And at all of our camps, we preach the love of Jesus. My role in Agatas is to um, help all the little kids, um, keep them engaged, keep them paying attention, let them have lots of fun, and just just to be there. My role in Agatas is to one-on-one -on -one with kids who uh, need a little bit more help and love so then they can stay focused and have fun. Sports are so valuable for kids as far as the friendships that they make, exercise that they get outside running around, but also when we talk about Agatas, when we show up, kids are showing from all aspects of life. Sometimes when a church will go into an area and they put the church on it, there's a certain group of kids that won't come just because it's a church event. But when Agatas comes in, we want to be like the woman at the well. She went to the well to get water, but Jesus met her there to give her so much more. So we want to be Jesus in that situation where people are coming to get water, they're coming to get sports. But we want to meet them there and give them so much more than that. Agatas is important because we get to bring kids from different backgrounds um, all over the community um, to come to Christ um, for all different kinds of sports and really just to enjoy. Agatas is important because we share Christ with a lot of people who don't have Christ in their life. So my favorite part of Agatas is just connecting with the kids. We have a huge facet of kids that come through our camps every year. And what I love is the longer we're around, the stronger relationships we build with the kids. And so we're starting to see our lives blending with a lot of these kids in our community, and that has been life-giving. So last summer we had around 16 camps. Most of those were pop-up camps. We were going into the community and doing camps at the low-income areas. When you look at how many people are going through the organization, two summers ago we had over 2,500 people go through the organization in the summer. So when you think of that 2,500, that doesn't only include kids. Kids is a large portion of it, but it also includes the many, many volunteers that we have that help Agatas. We are pretty much an organization that runs only on volunteers. So what our volunteers do is we have volunteers who sign kids in every morning and greet kids and give them a name tag. We have volunteers who help bring food and we have volunteers who prepare the food. We also have coaches. And we also have people who organize t-shirts and help hand out t-shirts. So when you think of Agatas, don't just think of a sports ministry and getting involved that way. You don't have to play sports. I don't play sports. But think of a larger sense of what is your gifting. And I can almost guarantee you that Agatas has a way that you could plug in and use your gifting to help us.
right, will you raise your hand if you have participated in Agatos or you have volunteered with Agatos? Raise those high. Love seeing that. This Agatos is um, such a beautiful opportunity for us to love on so many different communities. Burger family, you have created Agatos, you run Agatos, but you give our people an opportunity to be mission partners. And I love that about what you do. We're excited again this year to support Agatos and to spend more time um, helping out with their camps over the summer. Specifically, they are excited to mobilize into more neighborhoods. In order to do that, they are asking for interns this year. So we are committed as a church to help them raise funds to have these interns with them and also would love to find host homes for some of those interns. And so, yeah, excited what Agatos will do and really thankful for the Burger family. Well, Beloved Not Forgotten and Ends of the Earth are two ministries that we have been connected to as a church for for quite some time. They have, um, again, allowed some of our people to be connected to them. I know some of our church family is on your board and they serve in different ways and would love for you guys to share a little bit more about that. So Donna, um, she serves as the founder and the executive director of Beloved Not Forgotten, which exists to provide a safe, loving, home-like environment for victims of sex trafficking, specifically in Indiana. So Donna spent some time in Thailand several years ago working again with Destiny Rescue, another organization that was rescuing and restoring women who had been a part of sex trafficking. She came back here, was planning to move back there, and God just kind of whispered in her ear, no way, Indiana, we need you to be here in Indiana to do some of those same things. So I would love for you to share a little bit, um, Donna, about what the problem is, what the reality is that you saw in Indiana that motivated you to begin Beloved Not Forgotten? So one of the things that I recognized when I got back to Indiana is that trafficking is actually happening right here. 76% of U.S. citizens, 76% of survivors in the U.S. are um, U.S. citizens. That's a large number. So as God was calling me to Indiana um, and I started the ministry, he brought some folks right at the very beginning who kind of just brought that home. One of the very first young ladies that I worked with was the age of 24 and she was being trafficked in Milford, Leesburg and Oswego. God also brought another woman who was in her mid-30s whose earliest recollection was of her mother selling her to men at the age of three in Packerton. A town so small that when you blink, you miss it. Um, So these people need restoration. They need help, um, guidance. They need loving care. They need to feel safe. That's one of the biggest things is feeling safe. And so that's what Beloved is striving to provide. So in that healing journey, um, these women move into an apartment that Beloved Not Forgotten has. They receive therapy. They learn more about nutrition as some of them are um, in need of, you know, having a better health. Um, They get some wraparound support. And they've been able to do this for several years in a small apartment. But there's actually an update as it relates to the the housing situation for these women. Okay, you guys. God says to sing praises, to shout praises. I don't think he says to do gymnastics, but if I could, I would be doing cartwheels across the stage right now. I picked up keys yesterday for a house, a six-bedroom, four-bedroom house. Woo, that's right. Yes. Um, (laughs) With the option to purchase it down the road. Super awesome. So with that, six bedrooms means you have the ability to host more women who are in need of a safe home that's also going to, you know, home maintenance. That's a thing. More funds needed for that. Snow removal as we're heading into winter. But as it comes um, with those needs, you also have another exciting update about an anonymous donor. Can you share that with all of us? So we also have an individual donor who is matching dollar for dollar up to um, $100,000. up through December 31st. So it's a great opportunity for you guys to help us. Every dollar that you give will be doubled. Um, And I'm just very excited about the opportunities. Thanks, Donna. We love um, what Beloved Not Forgotten is doing. The fact that you now can house more women and provide them that safe home is really, really exciting. Yes, it is. If you guys would do something for me, I really wanna lift praise and glory to God 
Shout, clap, scream, do whatever you want to do, but let's just give God some round of applause. Thanks, Donna. So Abisha Gross, um, she is, again, the founder, executive director of Ends of the Earth. Um, Ends of the Earth exists to empower pastors in India with tools needed to reach their community. They also seek community development through clean water and rescuing children who are um, part of like child slavery within the labor workforce. Um, But specifically, there is a pastor and a community in which Mission Point has been paired with um, and has been empowering over the last year or so. Could you tell us a little bit more about that pastor and that community? Thank you. Um, so the pastor that Mission Point supports, his name is Meg. He is a father and a husband, as well as a missionary. His day-to-day life is looking like pastoring seven churches, and those churches are churches where they would meet in people's homes because of the persecution that um, they face on a daily basis. Meg was a Hindu to start. He was very, um, he was a staunch Hindu, but he had some family dilemmas, and through his family, actually, he was able to come to know Christ, and from his testimony, he said, um, when I had a personal encounter with Christ, my life completely changed, all kinds of bad habits had gone, and shalom came in my family. That's amazing, and to know that Meg received salvation and is now can't hold it in. He is sharing it with so many different people. Again, having these um, seven churches in which, again, it's in a home situation and some smaller um, times of connection and growing in the Lord together and sometimes a dangerous area. So what does it look like for Meg to, um, to meet the needs of some of these people in the community? Sure. Yeah, so in his community, there's a lot of political unrest. There's poverty. Um, He even says that there are people who forbid him entering into there and Christians don't have access to the drinking water that the government provides. So if you identify as a Christian, you won't have access to drinking water. Um, His family has even risen against him and has said he's preaching a false um, religion and they've also experienced a lot of persecution. So what it looks like is going into the villages and inviting people into their homes and spreading the gospel and sharing um, God's love with people, mm. even amidst all of the persecution that they face. Yeah, thanks for sharing. To know that there are so many impacts there with Meg and how he's going about, but having to be really mindful of what he's doing and the persecution that they do have there. I love that we are able to support them, not just as um, him as a pastor, to keep him that endurance. I was, as you were talking, I was just thinking like, how tiring would that be? How exhausting could that be? How fearful may he be to know that we get to come behind him and support to say, hey, keep going because this really matters. We will never reach those communities in which he will. We will never have an understanding of what it's like to leave a faith and join another and then be mistreated for that. But he does. And so as you were talking, I was just like, this is why we have mission partners. This is why we give our funds. This is why we send our encouragement because we want Meg to continue to keep doing that work. Thank you so much for sharing that. I am so thankful for the ways that you guys are leading these ministries and allowing us to be a part of it. We're gonna watch another video here real quick from Sophia Bible School and I'll come back up and I'll share a little bit more about that. But let's tune into the video. Mission Point has been involved with Sophia Bible School since the early days of our church. Sampho Bible School helps train men and women for rural ministry in Zambia and has a huge focus on church planting. Right now, 25 students and graduates uh, travel anywhere from 12 to 100 miles on foot or by bicycle to uh, set the foundation for church planting by sharing the gospel and teaching over 15 discipleship classes. God is really at work in Zambia. Their most recent church plant in 2020 has grown to 130 members who actively share the gospel and care for the needy in their community. The majority of the students come from areas with high poverty and low development, high illiteracy, and poor health. So because of this, Samfo Bible School not only teaches biblical studies, but does practical training in farming, uh, entrepreneurship, and community development. Uh, This 
prepares students to earn a living when they graduate and better help the communities that they serve in. Choose to spend this year learning more about Sample Bible School. Pray for favor and effectiveness in their ministry. They're literally taking the gospel where it's never gone before. And give, not just out of our excess, but generously. Through Sample Bible School, we have the opportunity to bring hope to rural Zambia. Melissa and the way she cares and she knows and understands is seeking to help us um, know more about this community and her charger to be generous. We are asking you as we're saying, hey, leave these doors, choose a mission partner. We do want you to spend time in prayer, but we also want you to give. There is this, um, in order to move some of these for, forward, we have to have the funding. And so we are hoping that you will seek to be generous in some of these things. And our connection with Sampia Bible School actually started with some innovative ideas for us to be generous. We have actually partnered with the Mubula Mupulungu mission team in northeastern Zambia through educational support since 2013. Some of you may remember we had a furniture store back then called Hither and Yon. It was an opportunity to restore furniture, to resell it. And through that, we were able to support through a Zambian student scholarship, students going to school, providing uniforms, books, tuition that was needed. Most of these students not having parents who could help support in that way. It is our privilege to come alongside them in their journey. And when we first started, we were able to scholarship one student. That was back in 2013. But today, we celebrate that 13 high school graduates and 30 students are currently a part of the scholarship program. Let's celebrate that. That's amazing. So that has been an ongoing opportunity for us that we will continue to do. But now that we've built more of this relationship, we want to do more. We want to see this community transformed. We want this community to feel as though they can move a little bit closer to Jesus. And so Pastor Watabu is our connection there in Zambia. And he oversees seven different churches that he visits regularly. He trains the pastors and the people that are there leading others to know Jesus. And they have great needs for agriculture, for clean water, um, different things to allow them to move forward. And we are excited not just to continue scholarshiping these students, but to do more in the community, to see that, develop, that community just completely changed. So I'm super excited about that. Another organization that we are connected with actually spends some time in Zambia. You've, many of you have heard of them, Design Outreach. Um, they have some presence in Zambia and Malawi. And just to hear a little bit more about the need and where the creation of Design Outreach came from, we're going to watch one more video. Mas 
course of its existence, DO has put in 224 life pumps in 10 countries, impacting over 153,000 people. Since 2009, Mission Point has contributed over to over $37,000 towards life pumps, and we are excited to do this again. As I'm hoping you're starting to see this connection that several of us noticed a couple of months ago, we are saying that we are invested in these seven communities, these seven churches in Zambia but also one of the places that DO has access freely to go and put in life pumps is Zambia. So conversations have happened, and now as we think about supporting and hoping to put another pump um, through Design Outreach, our dream, our hope is to put those in those same communities that Samfia Bible School exists to serve and to, to share the love of Jesus. So in the coming months, Design Outreach has committed to doing community assessments in those seven communities to say, hey, is this a viable place that we could sustainably bring in those life pumps for change? They'll then circle back to us, let us know, yay, nay, and then we'll be able to start funding. We can't do anything else until we have the money raised. So we are hoping that all seven communities have the ability to have a new life pump, a life pump put in, and that we will raise all of the money to do that. It is $17,000 for a life pump. These life pumps, as you read, they are meant, they're long lasting. They are meant to sustain over time, which is what we want. That is who God is. He is a sustainer. And we want this to truly impact, um, invade their community for good so that they will thrive and see the love of Jesus. So when you are considering which partner you're gonna to commit to or which two partners or three partners, whatever you decide for your friend group, you as an individual, you as a family, know that Sophia Bible School and Design Networks are linked in that way and we are hoping to see big change in those communities. As we wrap this morning, I'm gonna invite a representative from each of our mission partners up here on the stage so that we can pray for them. After we pray, you will have the opportunity to go out. There's two tables near, um, there's one in the mission corner to the right of the exit door, one to the left of the exit door. And again, there's bookmarks there. We would love, if you already know, it's this one. I am going to commit to this partner that you would take a bookmark, sign up for us. If you're not ready, that's fine. Think about it, pray about it. We have these five so that you can narrow in and determine which one do you want to come alongside, learn more about, advocate for in this next year so that the mission of Jesus will go further and farther. So I'm gonna pray after that. We'll have the elders and the prayer team up here if you would like someone to pray for you and then you'll be dismissed to stop at the mission corner and then go get your kids. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you that in this room, there are so many mission partners. There's some sitting out in the auditorium who are living on mission and they are seeking to find new ways all the time to show and share the love of Jesus. Maybe even in this last week, you've been revealing to them new ways. Maybe you're starting to nudge on them and they've yet to commit. God, would you keep nudging? May we be always open, our eyes open, our ears open to knowing where we can take your mission even further. As we are going, we can demonstrate your love and your kindness of who you are to us, to other people, and that that would make long-lasting change. And God, thank you for the mission partners up here who are running these organizations, they're representing an organization that is allowing us as a church collective